apathy will rob us of our destiny. And uh, it's something that's been plaguing me for a little bit, thinking about us as a church. I think our problem is we've become comfortable with what we have. And when you become comfortable with what you have, you fail to reach for what's in front of you. And so please be aware, 2017 is not going to be a comfortable year for us. And the reason why it's not going to be comfortable is because we have people in our community that are going to hell. And I'd rather you were uncomfortable when they were saved than you were comfortable when they went to hell. And so um, I just say that this morning just to give you a precursor and a warning for 2017. But if that stirs you and you're like, man, I want to be part of that, then you're going to have the time of your life. And uh, we're going to have a great year. And uh, I get away with saying stuff like that today because it's my birthday. So how you all doing? You doing okay? I said who cares about the All Blacks because, once again, I think sometimes we care way too much about things of this temporary world instead of the things of the eternal world. And whether the All Blacks lose or win or whatever, it makes no difference to our eternity. Uh, and it makes a difference to us feeling a little bit happy now. But you know what? It's all good because I've seen, we have a lot of South Africans in our church and they're happy when they're losing, so we can be too. And so... Uh, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Once again, get away with that because it's my birthday. So, um, so good to have you here with us this morning. We'll be doing a series called Making Change. And the first week of our series, Making Change, was, can anybody remember what it was? All right, let's try and do this together. Less is more. And we talked about this whole thing where we're brought up in a world where we're taught that more is better. The bigger car, the bigger house, more, 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 the more you have the better life is, but we discovered that through Scripture, uh, the Bible says this, that better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with strife and problems and issues. And we, we discovered that actually having less is actually more. And in fact, that's a kingdom principle, that the less you have, the more you have. In fact, John the Baptist said this, didn't he? He said, less of me, more of you. So the less of us creates the more of God in our lives. And so it's a principle throughout scripture. And, and we gave a challenge out there to go home and in one week, see if you could find a hundred things that you have at your house, which you've hoarded that you don't actually need, that you could give away, sell or throw out. How many people managed to do that? How many people still stuck around three or four things? How many people are just not even going to put up your hand because you don't want to let me know? And, uh, and, you know, and, and so it's really important because the less we have in our lives, then we, our life becomes uncluttered. How many people think you got, your life is way too cluttered? I think life can be so cluttered sometimes, you know. I start off every year with the intention of, of decluttering my life and making things simple and creating space in my world in case something happens that I have this buffer zone, if you know what I mean, so that I don't feel like I'm going insane and that I'm in the corner of my lounge in the fetal position dribbling out of the corner of my mouth because of how life is, and I create this buffer. But how many people know that as your year goes on, that buffer just seems to disappear? <laughs> it just goes rapidly, and you don't understand where it's come from, and that's because to live a less is more life means that we have to be intentional about it and to be disciplined about it and not allow that buffer to be closed. And I want to encourage you to continue with that in your world. And then we talked about stress is bad. How many people know stress is bad? And so we talked about some keys to get rid of our debt, to pay off our debt. What the Bible says that most of us are in debt because we lack understanding. We haven't asked God to help us. We don't have a plan for it. 
and we encourage ourselves to go away and think about what, what can we do? How can we reduce this stress on our life? Because nobody ever said that my life is so much better because of my debt. Nobody ever said that. And we're coming into a time of Christmas, yeah? And I don't know about you, but as a parent, you know, as the requests start flooding through, is anybody, hello? The requests start flooding through, it's, you start looking at the budget and you're like, ah. and I want to encourage you, hold your ground. Don't cave in on what it is that you plan to do with your finances over this Christmas period. Hold your ground, stand your ground, understand that less is more, stress is bad. And this morning I want to talk to you about giving is good. Everybody say, giving is good. Ready? One, two, three. Giving is good. Okay, let's say it like we mean it. One, two, three. Let me read you a scripture. It says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Whose words? That is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You got that this morning. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's not to mean that receiving isn't bad. It's not like you're going to get up on Christmas morning and go, oh no, I don't want to receive anything because it's better. We like getting stuff given to us, don't we? Hello, is anybody else here? I love it when people give me stuff. It's awesome. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. It's not that receiving is not a blessing. It's, it's not that it's not a good thing to receive. It's just saying that actually to give is better. To actually give is better than to receive. To actually give is, is so much more better. Because I don't know about you, but I've never had an overwhelming emotional moment when I consume something. Apart from maybe food. But when I brought my first flat screen TV, I didn't drive home in tears, just overwhelmed with emotion as I drove home with my flat screen TV in, my, in, in, in the back of my car. Anybody say what I'm talking about? I remember when I got my first ever pay packet because you see, you see I grew up in a family where, where my, my mum grew up in a family where um, my grandfather was a little bit, um, he was a little bit of a gambler and so Nana was really, really um, frugal with money and so was my mum and so I grew up in a home where everything was hand-me-downs or second-hand you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, nothing was ever new. I'm pretty sure even the undies were hand-me-downs. I'm not, I'm not even sure they were brand new. And so when I got my first pay packet, I went out and I brought myself a brand new pair of Nikes. How many people know that's what you do when you first get money, eh? You just go crazy. You know, it's like mum never would let you buy your lunch when you're at school. We got to buy our lunch once every single year on our birthday, and that was it. So when I got my first pay packet, it was like buying lunch every day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner it was awesome, plus going home for her food. And so, and I went and brought this, but I didn't drive home with my Nikes in the back seat, <laughs> just emotionally overwhelmed with my consumption. You know what I'm talking about this morning. But I can tell you what, I bet you there are a whole lot of people in this room, including myself, that have had overwhelming emotional times when you've given something to somebody where it's just transformed them, or it's just helped them. 
I can remember when we were, I've shared this story before, but I can remember when we were probably only about, what, six or seven weeks away from our wedding and uh, all those that that have been married recently or believing to get married, can I just tell you how much it costs? Our wedding costs three and a half thousand dollars. It was 23 years ago, but uh, you know it costs three and a half thousand dollars. Nowadays, it's like 20 grand is like not even a thought process. And um, but we had the money saved for our wedding, and the, our pastor in our church got up and announced that there's a team going to Fiji, and some of them didn't all have their funds to be able to go. And and I thought that's nice. Um, and then I went for a, my prayer walk like I would normally do, and and I had this. Holy Spirit moment where he said, I want you to give all the money you have saved for your wedding to the missions team so that these people can go to Fiji. And, and, and at first, because I was in the Spirit of God, how many people know when you're in the Spirit of God, you get excited about stuff like that? And then the brain takes over and says, how are we going to pay for a wedding? So I thought, huh, here's my way out. God, I'll do it if Trinity agrees. Now, how many people know that I'm thinking there's no way the bride is going to agree that we give away all our money to pay for our wedding. You know, what bride does that? So I ring her up and I say, look, this is what I really feel like God is saying. And, but, you know, if you say no, maybe, maybe I just had bad pizza or something like that. If you say no, we won't do it. She goes, oh, yeah, we can do that. No, 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 you don't understand, honey. Like, if we do this, all of our money for the wedding, you know, it's eight weeks away, uh, yeah, well, if you feel the Holy Spirit's told you to do that, we should do that. It's, it's just not good having a woman in your world that hears from God. And so I gave it all away. And you know what? By the time I came to give it away, my heart had changed. And I was just so excited. I was so pumped about being able to sow that into the missions team. And I remember when they came back and they shared the testimonies of what God had done in their world. And I was able to sit there in, in the seat just going, I helped that. I, I sewed into that. That's my reward as well as their reward. And I just had this overwhelming sense of emotion and started to cry as I just heard these people saying, my life was transformed while I was here. God spoke, and all this stuff just happened. Now, by the way, just in case you want to hear the side of the story that you didn't hear, is that within two weeks, all of that money had come back in. The whole three and a half grand came in inside two weeks. Now, don't get me wrong, I was really grateful to get the three and a half grand back, but I was more excited about being part of the testimonies and the emotion was attached to the lives that were changed, not me getting the money back that I'd given. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And there are some of you here where you've helped maybe somebody who's in need. And there's just this sense of, of a joy, there's a sense of satisfaction when you're able, we do that with our kids, you know, when we give our kids something they've really, really wanted, and that's why Christmas is so awesome, because they're there, and they open their presents, and it's just like, there's a sense, isn't there, of of this satisfaction, of this joy, because of the smile on somebody else's face, and so when Jesus said, it is better to give than it is to receive, or it's more blessed to give than it is received, he's saying that there is something that happens when we give that you just don't get when you receive, that creates a joy and a satisfaction and a sense of accomplishment in our lives when we do that sort of thing, hence why giving is good. Are you with me this morning? All right. And so it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Giving is good. Because it's more blessed. 
to give than it is received. Everybody say, it's more blessed to give than receive. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, It says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The scripture teaches here that because of your generosity, because of your giving, because of your ability to give, that what it does is it causes people to thank God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome that, that you can help out a solo parent or, or somebody who's struggling and, and you can do something for them and, 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 and you're like, oh, what can I ever do for God? But just by baking a cake or cooking a meal that just turns up on their doorstep at the right time, it causes that person to thank God because of your generosity. It causes them to turn their face towards Him instead of away from Him. It causes them to reach out to Him instead of denying Him. That there's moments, and you see it in the paper and you see it in the news, where people have these moments where they, I just thank God that these people came. It's just a miracle that this person turned up at the right time. And they don't even know Him, but because of our generosity, they cry out to Him. And the Bible says that when we lift Him up, that He draws all men and women unto Himself. And so when we sow, when we're generous, when we give, when we love on people that are in need, it causes Him to be lifted up and it causes people to be drawn to Him and praise His awesome. Now, I don't know about you, but just that alone makes giving good. Come on. You're going to get a little bit excited this morning because apathy is not in this house. Come on. I don't know what you're going to do when you get to heaven, some of you, because it's a party up there. When one person gives their life to Christ, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Come on. It's going to be such a good morning this morning. So if we know that giving is good, if we understand that giving is good, all of us know that helping people that are in need or, or giving to God or doing whatever is, is a good thing, why don't we do it more often? Why don't we do it? I'm just going to give you three quick reasons why, and then we're going to get into some other stuff. The first reason why we don't give is because we don't feel like we have enough. Most of us, I would say, in this room would love to be able to do that, would love to be able to give, would love to be able to bless people that are in need, but we just feel like we barely have enough for us to get by, let alone help somebody else. Our hearts are in the right place, but we just don't feel like we have the ability to be a blessing. So that's the first reason, is we just don't feel like we have enough. The second reason is we've seen this message about giving abused. Anybody that's watched Christian TV, without mentioning any names, knows that the message of giving has been abused. You know the guy that goes on there with the slick back hair and says things like... If, I, I just feel, I just feel in the Lord right now that there's a, there's a thousand people out there and if you give a thousand dollars each, the Lord's going to bless you. In fact, he's going to prosper you. He's going to blah, 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 blah. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you've got the big massive hair and the overdone makeup. Don't look at me like that. You've seen it, yes? It's a complete abuse of what the scripture teaches around giving. I. I, I never, I'm just going to say this to you this morning, please forgive me if you're a big fan 
of Christian television, but I hate it. Because there are good ones, and then there's those awful ones. And they give Christianity a bad name. And I remember once deciding after about six months of not looking at any Christian TV, oh, maybe I'll have a look today. And they had this Shariathon on there where they're trying to raise money. And this guy was on there, and he was just saying, you know, I've, I've sensed there's some people here and you're struggling financially, but if you give $1,000 today, God will, God's going to triple it. He's going to quadruple it. It's like, what? Don't get me wrong. I believe that God blesses you and your giving. But I just think that we switch off when we start talking about giving in church because the message has been abused. And so we become skeptical about it because we hear it and we go, oh, here we go again. Another giving message. And the problem is, is because it's been abused, we switch off. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't switch off because I'm not going to abuse it this morning. I'm just going to show you what the Bible teaches. And I'm not going to promise you anything that it doesn't say that it can do. Are you with me this morning? Number three, we often live with scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. What, what do I mean by that? Well, we, we often have this mentality is that we've got, if we do this, we're going to have less. If we do this, then then I'm going to have less and there won't be enough to go around. And rather than having a mindset of, of abundance where we know that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, that, that we know that he's the one that owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills, we, we, we know that God, I mean, money's not a problem for God. If, if the gates of heaven are made of pearl and the streets are of gold, I don't think he has an issue. I think you need to understand something. I say this this morning. It's not that God needs your money. It's just that it does something in us where we trust in him in a way that we never do any other way. But we have a scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset which understands that we're blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We serve an abundant God. God always looks after us. And I, and I, I can remember this was my biggest struggle when, when I started to give and when I started to believe the promises of God, as I just thought to myself, how can having less actually help? How does that work? Well, it doesn't work when we think about it in our thinking because it's not a physical concept. It's a spiritual and biblical concept. And we understand that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we understand that that God has this way of dealing with things that we don't even think about. For example, forgiving somebody who's hurt us. The Bible says that we should forgive them. I don't know about you, but I, I, wanna, I, I prefer that scripture that says, blows from a friend, cleanses away evil. God, you're not, much, you're not much sense of humor this morning, eh? You're a bit boring. And so I, I held back because I thought, how, how can, and so I've had to retrain my mind, and, and why, why retrain your mind if it's spiritual? Because the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's your mind that gets in the way of the spiritual principles of Scripture coming through in your life. And so I have to constantly tell myself, no, 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 this is how I live. This is 
who I am. You see, you've got to understand that poverty is not a spirit. Poverty is a mindset. If poverty was a spirit, we could cast it out and you'd be free from it. But the scripture teaches that poverty is a way of thinking. And the only way to change your thinking is through the transformation of his word. And then the Bible says when your mind is transformed, then you have a spirit of generosity. I don't know about you, but if there's a spirit of God that I don't quite have in my life, I want it to be operating. And I've discovered this in giving. And I want you to hear this this morning, that when you give, you will be a blessing. But when you give, you will be blessed. You have to understand that when you give, you're a blessing. But when you give, you're also blessed. It's a win-win. It's a two-way street. It's, it's like as I bless somebody else, I'm blessed. Hello. Listen to this, Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And so the Scripture's trying to teach us that when you bless somebody, you're blessed. That when you're a blessing, you're blessed. That when you bless somebody, you are abundantly blessed back. That there is something that happens where God is concerned that when he sees somebody with a generous spirit and a generous heart who wants to bless somebody else, it triggers something on the inside of God that says, I'm going to bless them because they've been a blessing. It's, it's like with our kids, yes, when, when, when we're dealing with them at home or whatever and you don't have to tell them to make their bed and tidy their room because they do it. I, look, please, I know this is hard concept for us as parents to imagine this happening, but Jesus is the God of the impossible. But they, they get up in the morning, they make their bed, they tidy their room, they put away their clothes that are folded on the end of their bed. And then they get up and they, and they make their own breakfast. And not only do they make their own breakfast, but they clean it up as well and put it in the dishwasher. And they leave the kitchen spotless after they've finished getting their breakfast. And, and then when you make lunch a little bit later, they say, don't worry, I've got the dishes. I can do this. Come on, just, just close your eyes for a minute, parents, and just imagine this. And then you're looking at the lawns and you're thinking, man, they're a little bit long, but one of your kids says, I'm going to mow the lawns for you today. You'd, no need to pay me, no need to ask. I've got this. If you had a child like that, it'd be like, oh, what can I do for that kid? Yes? It's like, because <sighs> when you're a blessing, you get blessed. And I think God sits up in heaven, our Father, and he says, wow, look how much of a blessing they are. How can I bless this person? And the scripture, the scripture teaches us here that the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Why? Because you, when you give, you're a blessing to others, but when you give, you're also blessed. Isn't that cool? And that's why I say without any hesitation, without any doubt, without anything at all, that giving is good. Giving is good. Why? Because it's more blessed to give 
than it is to receive. Doesn't mean that you won't receive. There's just something in giving that doesn't come any other way. And so I just want to give you three things this morning that will help you in your giving. And the first one is this, is we're going to trust God with the tithe. We're going to trust God with the tithe. And everyone's gone quiet. The tithe, what is the tithe? It comes from a Hebrew word that means a tenth. It means a tenth, a tenth of whatever we receive. Leviticus 27.30 says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. So in other words, it's a little bit like this. If you get given $100 and $10 of it, belongs to Him. It belongs to God. And we return it to Him in an act of worship. Now I know that sounds crazy. And I remember the first time I heard this, I thought, hold on a sec, when I signed up the following Jesus, I don't remember this being in the terms and conditions. Yes? You've never heard a salvation old school that goes, Jesus wants to forgive you of your sin, and also, by the way, it, it just doesn't happen, does it? But this is what the Scripture teaches us, that it's like that this is what we're meant to do. A tenth of whatever we receive belongs to Him, and it's our act of worship to give it back to Him. And I know that... It doesn't make sense, does it? It's kind of crazy. But if you turn with me to Malachi 3.10, that kind of makes it a little bit more understanding. It says this, Malachi 3.10, some of you probably heard this a lot, but it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough room to store it. That there's not enough room to store. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse in the scripture means the local church. Into this place is a picture of the local church, the church that you belong to. Why? So that there may be food in my house. Let me ask you something. What are you receiving today? Come on, think about it. What do you receive every Sunday? You receive food. You receive nourishment, spiritual food that you're being strengthened and nourished by. Your children are receiving spiritual food this morning. Your teenagers receive spiritual food on Friday nights. If you're in a connect group, when you go on to connect group, you're receiving spiritual food. So when you bring the whole tithe into his storehouse, he's able to feed you out of his house. We have Gina 10 hours a week in the intermediate, and Claire's going in with her a couple of days a week. What are we doing? There's spiritual food going out of this house into that intermediate every single week, going out of this house. When we have mainly music here on, on a Friday, and we have on average 39 people here turning up to mainly music, what's actually happening? Spiritual food from this house is going into families. But we can only run these things and we can only employ Gina and we can only do these things. Um, on the 11th of December, the Christmas bash is on here in the church and there'll be thousands of people that come onto our property that receive spiritual food from this house. 
on the, in, in uh, February, we're going to have slip and slide Sunday again, and there'll be thousands of people that rock up here sliding up. They think they're sliding up and down slides all day, but we understand that they're receiving spiritual food from this house. Are you with me this morning? So we bring the whole tithe in so that there's food in his house so that he can feed out of this house, not just you, but to your family and to your friends and to our community and everybody else that is around us. And then God says this one thing here that he doesn't say anywhere else in the Bible. Nowhere else are you allowed to do this other than when it comes to your finances. And that he says this, test me. Test me. In fact, the Bible says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, is what it says. But in this case, when it comes to your tithe, when it comes to your giving, the Bible teaches really clearly that you can test them. You can say to them, okay, I've done that. Come on, bring it on, baby. I don't know about you, but, but I haven't got so much that I don't know what to do with it yet. Are you with me this morning? But it doesn't stop me going, come on, come on, come on, God, I gave again this week, come on. Where's those floodgates? I want to tell you that we have started to see floodgates open in our own personal life. I think we had about $8,000 come in in the last six weeks, come into our world. We, we brought a section out at Glenbrook Beach. We were $26,000 short of the deposit, and God brought the $26,000 in. Why? Because he says, test me and see if I won't do this. See, most of us, we look at what we can do, and we think that's all I can afford, but my Bible teaches us that he does exceedingly abundantly more than I can ever ask or think of, and because I've looked after his house, he has to look after my house, and so when I'm short a deposit, it's not like, oh, we can't buy the section. It's like, we can buy the section, and he's going to bring it in because he said he has to, and if I test him in it, that he'll look after my house because I look after his house. Come on. This is how it works. He says, test me. It's not like, it's not, praise the Lord, if you give a hundred dollars, God's going to give you a thousand back. That's not the principle here. The principle here is, if you look after my house, I'll look after yours. I'll look after yours. Oh, I don't feel like God's looking after mine. Really? Anyway. So some of you might be like, well, hold on a sec, you told me last week, the other week, that we've got to pay down debt. How do I pay down debt by giving 10% away? Whoa. Hang on there, big boy. This is kind of crazy. And you know what the problem is? Because if you really think about it, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to give 10% of my income and trust him, because that's what it comes down to, the reason why we struggle to give is because we don't trust God with our finances. But boy, we cry out to him when our health ain't good. We cry out to him when our kids are away from God. We cry out to him when our marriage ain't too flesh. We cry out to him for financial breakthrough, and, and, but yet we don't trust him when it comes to our finances. And here's the problem. Because if I'm really going to do this, that means that I actually have to completely and totally rearrange my life around God. That means that I have to change the way that I use my money to make sure that it fits around his principles first and my principles second. 
Is that, is that what you're saying, Craig? Are you saying that I have to completely rearrange my life 100% to fit my finances around God's principles? Yes. Oh, I don't, I don't think that's right. Well, friend, just go out and murder somebody and see how that principle in the scripture works for you. It says, do not murder. It says, do not steal. It says, do not envy. Do not covet. We, 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 we love to live by principles that are easy to maintain. And I'd like to think that it's pretty easy for most of us here not to murder people. Unless, you know, your kids push you to that limit. But it's the same principle here. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's not ours to have. And it means that you have to change some things in your world to put him first. And you know what? We do that all the time. We will completely rearrange our lives to fit our kids' sport in. We'll completely rearrange our lives to fit golf in. We'll completely rearrange our lives to fit our boating in. We'll completely rearrange our lives to fit things in that we want to fit in. And the thing is, is here is that the principle is this, whether it be giving or whatever, the principle is this, whatever is important to you, you'll make a priority. Whatever is important to you, you'll make time for. There's not a person in this room that's a good parent that on Christmas Day is going to go, I don't really feel like making time for my family on Christmas Day. I think I'll just go and do my own thing. You make it a priority because it's important to you. I'll move on. But here's the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. Let me just put this for you. There's a principle about first in Scripture. The Bible teaches us early in the morning, I'll seek you. It's about putting God first in our day, in prayer and in reading our word and having time with him. There's a principle of first when it comes to being in church on a Sunday that we give the first day of the week to him. There's a principle of first that we have here in our church and we will have again next year that once we all get back from holiday and get into the swing of things, we're going to have prayer and fasting in our church. Why? Because it's first. It's about putting him first. And we're going to seek to worship God with the first part of what he trusts us as an act of worship back to him. There's a principle of the first. First thing in the morning, I spend time with him. First thing in the week, I make him a priority. First thing in the year, I pray and I fast and I intercede for what God wants in my life and first when it comes to my finances. You know what happens when you do that? It gets you completely out of your comfort zone. It gets you completely out of your comfort zone because now I'm completely 100% reliant on him to do something. I'm completely dependent on him now for him to come through my finances because I don't have as much as I used to. And you know what? I think God responds to that. And he's like, because I think God loves it when we're dependent on him. I think that's his whole plan. I think that's why salvation is the way it is, that it's all about him and what he did and nothing about what we do. Because he wants us to be dependent totally on him in every area of our lives. And I think he does this on purpose. And I know there's some people sitting here going, oh, you're talking about tithing, that's of the Old Testament. Well, I could spend ages pointing out that you're wrong, but 
I don't have the time for that this morning, but can I just say this? There's one scripture that says all of scripture is permittable. In other words, whether it's from Genesis to Revelation, all of it is true. Second of all, tithing came in before the law, so don't even think that it was the law, because Abraham did it with King Melchizedek, and King Melchizedek uh, was a typology of Christ, and he gave a tenth of all he had to the king before the law even came in. And just to settle it for you, because, oh, Jesus never talked about this. Well, he did. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said this, hey, you should tithe, when he's talking to the Pharisees. And he's saying to them, really cool that you tithe, you should do that, but you've forgotten to look after the widows and the orphans. So Jesus turns around and says, hey, you, you need to do this. And if Jesus says it, then we should. I'm telling you that you can test God and, prove, and he has to prove himself. You can test him in your finances if you give to him and he has to prove himself. I'm sorry if this is upsetting some of you this morning, but my job is to tell you the truth, not to tell you what you like to hear. And I've got to love you enough to tell you the truth. And so I've made a decision in my life, and I think we should make a decision in all of our lives, that we're going to worship God with our first and our best and trust Him with the rest. Because I really believe this, that God can do more with my 90% than I can do with 100%. I believe God can do more with the 90% than I can do with the 100%. And I just choose to worship Him 100% and put him first in every single area of my life. Let me move on to point two, because some of you are like. Second thing is, the first thing we're going to trust God with, his, with our tithe. The second thing is we're going to plan our generosity. Most of us, when we're going to buy something, I don't know about you, but we do research. Yes? I've been researching, trying to find something that I can buy my beautiful wife for Christmas. She hasn't given me much to go on apart from a cup holder for her car. So I've been doing some research, yes? Your kids want stuff, you do research. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to buy a new pair of shoes or whatever, I go and check out a few different shops, yes? Maybe not as many as some of you people that have shoe issues. You know, you know the ones where you've got more shoes in your house than you have anything else. You can't walk past Hannah's without going in. It's like this voice goes, come and buy me some shoes. You've already got 43 pairs, but you need another pair. Um, but when you want to buy shoes, I go and have a look. I look around and I decide what shoes I want. And I go and price it out. Yes, this is that what we do. We plan our spending. We plan what we're about to invest into. But what if we sat around with a really different mindset. What if we sat around and we were like, you know what, how can we plan not just to give, but to give more? How can, how can we plan to give more? How, how can we plan to be more generous? How can we, how can we what if we stood around and strategized how we could be even more generous to our community than we currently are? Isn't that a different way of thinking? And you know what? It's biblical because in Isaiah 32 verse 8 it says, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. I love that. I love that it's intentional. It's not an accident. It's not like, oh, 
oops, <laughs> fell over and I was generous. It's an intentional thing. It's like they're planning, how can I be generous? How can I bless more? How can I? And that's the whole plan behind what we're trying to do here at CFC with our plans for the future of, of, the, of, a, pre, uh, of a preschool and a, and a full-time cafe and a, and a boutique retirement village. Why, why do we want to do that? Because they make money so that we can then have a holistic center where people that can't afford to have counseling can come and have it for free. People that can't afford to get medical care can come and have it for free. People that can't afford to get counseling for their marriage can come here and have it for free because we can take the profits we've made off the businesses that we own and invest it into the holistic center so our community marriages don't break up just because they can't afford to get the help. That people don't die just because they can't afford to get the medical care. That people just don't, you understand what I'm saying. It's about planning to be generous. It's a plan. It's not like it's an afterthought. Oh, this would be a good idea. We could take all that. The whole reason why we want to build the daycare, the whole reason why we want to have a cafe, the whole reason why we want to do a retirement village is to make money to be generous with it where we can pour back into our community. Imagine if we could employ 10 social workers that went out into our community and did stuff that aren't answerable to the government and aren't answerable to SIPs and aren't answerable to all the regulations and rules and stupid things, but we're just there out of the generosity of the church feeding its community. That's why we do it. It's a plan. It's not just a thought. It's not just a nice idea. It's a plan to be generous. And that's why we do it. Personally, I can tell you right now, based on what we've looked at as an oversight of all the regulations around having a daycare, I could quite happily do without it, thank you very much. The book is about that fat. But it's about being generous. It's about saving lives. It's not accidental. It won't be, people are going to come and go, oh, wow, what you guys done here is incredible. In 10 years' time, that's what they're going to say. But it's not by accident. It's intentional. And you can play a part and all of that. Giving is not something that we do. Generous is who we are. As Christ followers, we are generous with our love. We are generous with our forgiveness. We are generous with our words. We are generous with our time. The church in New Zealand, world, nationwide, it has more volunteers than any other organization, it gives up more volunteer hours than any other organization. The church us as Christians, it's in our DNA to be generous. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It's part of His DNA, so it's part of ours. But we need to plan to be generous. How can we give more to bless people? How can we truly bless more people than, than what we do now? How can I be more of a blessing that goes out than what comes in? It all starts with us putting God first with the tithe, and second, by trusting Him and then planning, how can I be generous? How can I be generous? Are you with me? This is the last point this morning. Number three, we're simply going to start being generous right now. Right now. We're going to be generous right now. Oh, Craig, I thought we're getting out of debt first. Yep, we're going to do that. We're absolutely going to do that. But you've got to understand that this is the supernatural part of it. This is the supernatural part of it. Because when you're a blessing, you'll be blessed. 
Do you know, I know a pastor that's in the States, and when he took on a church, it was a church of about 60 people, and they had a debt of $1.3 million. And their income couldn't even cover what their repayments were on the debt, let alone pay him a salary or anything like that. So he decided for 12 months, him and his board decided for 12 months, all the money that came in and their tithes and offerings, they were going to give away. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? At the end of the 12 months, not only had they paid off the 1.2 million, but they had 500,000 sitting in the bank. Why? Because you've got to understand the biblical principle here. That when we trust God, and when we bless people, he blesses back. Because he looks at them and he says, I can trust them with more because they're doing what's right with what they've got now. We're not going to wait until we're out of debt to be a blessing because here's the whole thing. Oh, when I get more money, I'll do it. You know, if, you don't, if you're not a blessing now, you'll never be a blessing then. We're going to be a blessing along the way and watch as we bless others that will be blessed as well. We're going to start now. Why? Because in Philemon 1.6 it says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I love that, that you'll put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. That you'll put it into action. It's only reasonable response that the one who gave his son to us is the one that we give our lives back to. It's the only reasonable response. And it doesn't just come down to the first 10%. He actually owns everything. The Bible teaches us that everything in the world and the earth is his. Everything. He owns everything. So it's not like I give the 10% and then I can do whatever I want with the 90%. No, in, in the way that I think, it's like I give the 10% because it belongs to him. And then I start testing that he would pour out such a blessing on me that I don't have enough room to contain it. And when that blessing comes in, it's not just a free-for-all. Craig can do whatever he wants. It's like, hey, God, what do you want me to do with this now? Because it's all his. And sometimes he says, I want you to take your wife out and spoil her. And sometimes he says, I want you to take your kids to the Gold Coast and have a holiday. You know why? Because he wants to bless you. But we have to start being generous now. We have to start being generous now. And the reason why we start now and not later is because we genuinely believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And if we believe that, if we believe that what Christ said is true, then we can't afford to wait until we think we're ready. We have to start now with something, with something. Be it your time, be it maybe you can't afford to, maybe it's $5 a week, something. Something where you're saying to God, you know what, I'm gonna trust you and then test him. We trust him with our first and our best. We believe that he will bless the rest. And we plan to be generous in everything we do 
Because generous people stand firm in their generosity, the scripture teaches us. You know, the Bible says this, when all is done, stand. Yeah, the scripture says that we stand firm in our generosity. We stand firm in our giving. We stand firm in our generosity. We seek God how we can be even more generous and we start now. Why? Because God has done it all and it's our only reasonable response is to be a blessing in the lives of other people just as he has been into our lives. And every time we give, I want you to understand something, that you are blessing others and you are also being blessed. You, you don't give to the church. You give to God. You give to God. The money that comes in is not the church's money. It's God's money. And then your leaders and as an oversight board, we have a responsibility to make sure that we steward God's money well. And I want to tell you that we through God's goodness and grace, I believe God has allowed us to, to steward well. I'll tell you why. Because this time last year, we launched our vision offering. We were believing for $100,000 to come in so we could do a bunch of stuff, so that we could build a playground, so we could upgrade the entrance to the property, including signage and the gardens, so that we can get new sound desks and storage for our kids' areas, so that we can renovate the offices, so we can get video feed, live feed into the parents' room, which is in the process of happening, that we could start with daycare plans and start talking to surveyors and what we've got to do, that, that we could finish off the renovation inside the building, that we could get in-ears for our musicians and reduce the noise on the stage and a drum screen to make it more pleasant for you guys. And, and we were believing for 100000 to come in, you know that we've managed to do all of that, and, and all of that, in my calculations, has cost us about $84,000 to do all of that, and what came in year to date, since we did the uh, offering, has been 33815 and I want to thank every single person that has given towards the vision offering, but I want you to understand something, 33000 is not 84000 why? Because God makes up the difference every single time. If we would just honor him, we have not reneged on our supporting of the missions that we do. We have not reneged on putting Gina into the intermediate. We have not reneged on anything that we plan to do, which is missions orientated where we can give out. We have blessed, we made sure that we, we have the finances available so that we can help people when they're in need and look after them and bless them. And be, We've never ever reneged on that. We've never turned around and said, you know what, we don't have enough money to do all these plans we have, so therefore we can't do all this other stuff. No, we have decided in our hearts that we're going to push through and we're going to manage it well, we're going to be wise, but we're also going to trust God that he'll always make up the difference. And I want to tell you this morning that that's a testimony that God is for us and not against us. That in all of this, even though we were short of where we needed to be, God still made it happen. Yeah? It would be nice if you kind of gave him a... So what does that mean? Does that mean that we don't have to do anything anymore? No. We've still got things we want to see happen. I don't know about you, but I didn't realize how uncomfortable those seats are 
until I had to sit in them at conference while somebody else spoke. And so we want to get new chairs, and get new chairs is about $35,000, and we're going to believe that, uh, we're going to do a thing next year and believe that God can do that. We've got upgrades to the sound equipment that we want to do. We've got the painting of the outside of the church that we want to do and bring up the outside, plus the ongoing thing with the daycare. And so what, what's happening with the daycare center? Let me just quickly explain to you what's going on. We basically had approval from council to do what we want to do, one slight problem. Down the bottom there, down the hill there, is, is a floodplain area. And council is doing what they call modeling of the 100-year flood that may or may not come. And so until they've done all the modeling for that, we, we can't really do anything because some of the land that will shift to, to put the daycare center in, we're going to put down into that bottom part because it's 0.8 of a meter behind below the road level, and we actually have to build it up if we ever want to use that land. But at the moment, council won't let us do anything until they decide what the flood plan is going to look like. So if you could be really be praying, because we've had the, the thumbs up for everything else we want to do but that, and it's meant to be finished by the end of March, but how many people know council and their timelines aren't too flash? So we really need to be praying that by the end of March that council have done their plan and then it's a real simple process for us to get resource consent and start the process of seeing a daycare, new offices, and a full-time cafe with a phenomenal playground attached to it, which will be the main attraction in Pukekohe. Why? Because there's no other playground in a cafe in Pukekohe, but we'll have it. And why will we have it? Because the church is the head and not the tail. We lead with excellence. We don't follow. But in saying that, it's a faith step because it's two to three million dollars to do it. But you know what? God can do it. If we faithfully do what we're meant to do, he'll do what he can do. If we faithfully do what we can do, if we'll faithfully tithe, if we'll faithfully be generous, if we'll faithfully do what we can do, God will always make up the difference. And I just know that in 10, 12 years' time, when we've finished doing everything, that this facility, this land, this 18 acres will be the hub of this community. And we're going to see people come to Christ. We're going to see people set free of drug addiction and alcoholism. We're going to see people that suffered domestic violence healed. We're going to see people that have been abused sexually and physically find healing in Christ and their lives turn around. We're going to see marriages destroyed, rebuilt. We're going to see families torn apart, put back together again. You know, it's all going to happen and it starts, it starts with us doing what we can do, doing what we should do so that God can do what he does. Let me just pray for you this morning. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to pray with you. Father, I thank you so much, God, that already, God, that people are giving into your house this morning. And Father, I thank you for every single one of them. And I pray, God, that as they go home and as they test you and say, okay, God, I've looked after your house, 
Now you need to look after my house, God, that they'll start to see things take place. They'll start to see things take shape in their own world. And it may not just be purely financial, God. It might be a change in their kids' attitudes or a change in their lives or it may be a change in their work circumstance or it may be a financial breakthrough. It might be all sorts. It might be their marriages and their relationships just being restored. Father, I just thank you, God, that you are an incredibly generous God, that you didn't hold back anything from us, but you gave your son 100%. You never held back anything. Then on top of that, God, you gave us the same inheritance as what you gave him. You made us children of God, co-heirs with Christ. God, you always go exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, imagine, or dream of. And I pray, God, in this place and every single person's lives, that as we do what we can do, you'll make up the rest. And there's just going to be testimony after testimony after testimony, devil-defeating testimonies, because we defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that as the testimonies ring out of this place, that we will take ground in our community, and we will take territory in our community, and we'll see more and more people come to know you through everything that happens, that this place will be known as the house of God, that as we're generous, as we sow in in the years to come, and we, and we do the things that we're planning to be generous in, Father, we thank you that your word promises that we bless others, that they give glory to God and that everything that we do is not for us to receive the glory, but God, that you'd receive the glory, that the community would talk about you in such a great way because of what you've done in this house and in this place. And I pray, God, that we would start right now in our spirit of generosity, right now, today, Take someone, uh, would take someone out for lunch or would do something, some form of generosity. says, you know what? I'm not going to wait. I'm going to start today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said?